Hi, I'm Lucia Leonard. I am an ultra runner and just an overall positive human being, mum to Gobi, wife to Dion, and I am taking part in the Triple Crown of 200s this year and want to welcome you to the Training for Ultra podcast. If we could just free ourselves of our perceived limitations and tap into our internal fire, the possibilities are endless. I'll tell you about it when it happened in the race, but to be honest with you, it happened even before the race. It happened in the training. A great cause. Oh, thank you. I respect that, man. So you keep doing what you do, it, man. Keep inspiring. For all you kids out there, stay safe and stay strong. Hey, everyone. It's the Training for Ultra podcast. Scott Jurek here. I was physically totally wrecked. I, I had nothing left. I figured I might as well move as quickly as possible towards the finish line if I was going to be moving towards it anyways. How do you even do that? I decided if I could, you know, finish a 50-miler, I could probably run across the country. 100 miles is not that far. All right, so we've had Lucia Leonard on the podcast before. I wanted to highlight her Bigfoot 200, her attempt at the Triple Crown, and then, you know, we recorded the Bigfoot episode. She said, You'll, I mean, you'll hear um, what transpires for Tahoe 200. But, I mean, I get a message that she had to stop due to a mountain lion. And the, and the story is just crazy. So you'll, you'll hear it at the end of this episode. We do an update. And, uh, man, it's shocking. And, I mean, I just can't wait to share it with you. But I'm also just... Happy that Dion and Lucia are okay from the crazy circumstances. So, hope you guys enjoy this episode. But first, let's uh, thank the sponsors. I'm Ethan Wayne, director of the John Wayne Cancer Foundation. And I'm Molly, the race director for the John Wayne Grit Series. My father, John Wayne, asked my family and I to use his name to help find a cure for cancer. So, we started the Grit Series. It's a series of 5Ks, 10Ks, and half marathons that take place in the most beautiful and rugged landscapes across the Southwest, including places where John Wayne shot some of his most famous movies. That's right. And all the race proceeds go towards cancer research and prevention programs. We're asking you to join us and bring your courage, strength, and grit to the fight against cancer. For more information on a race near you, visit us at johnwayne.org. That's johnwayne.org. Stay dusty. Also, big thank you to Tannery Outdoors. If you're interested, use uh, the promo code ULTRA10 for 10% off. But this is just a great company. You know, it's designed for runners by runners. Uh, the founder is an ultra runner. And it's an all-natural mineral-based product, which... In this era of, of sunscreen recalls and everything taking place there, it's just comforting knowing um, this, this is a, a good, honest company and um, it, it cares about the ultra running community. It cares about the trails and in the national parks and state parks. I think 1% of their sales goes back into the park systems and they, they definitely support, you know, some really great ultra runners and ultra running podcasts thank you to exoskin definitely check them out t the number four u20 for i think it's 15 percent off at this point it, it ranges throughout time but 
they have new colored toe socks and you know, I'm a sucker for toe socks. I, I absolutely love those. Definitely throwing on the toe socks. Their calf sleeves are great. They now have underwear and compression tops. And I, I really am a big fan of almost all their products. I use them during all my races. So Lucia, how have you been? Thank you for joining me on the podcast. I feel like oh, great. <laughs> after our Badwater crewing and pacing and filming we're just catching up like it, it's super weird talking to you now on the podcast <laughs> i know and we're not sat in a car together for 30 odd hours <laughs> yeah exactly i mean anytime you compare t- like leg tan lines with someone you're, you're kind of like you're, you're now friends so um, <laughs> exactly and i've been working on mine i don't know how you're going with your tan lines rob but it's actually um, going the opposite way so mm. glad you're not in denver <laughs> um <laughs> So you did this little race called Bigfoot 200, and I cannot wait to talk about that race. And then, like, kind of shit hit the fan here with the Triple Crown, so I want to pick your brain more on that as well. Um, but just for starters, I mean, what what was it like the week following Badwater 135 for you? Because that was the most crazy, wild... <laughs> roughly like seven days I've ever had with um other ultra runners like Badwater was unreal it was it was it was an amazing experience and uh just yeah it blows my mind when I think back to how well we did as a team and how well Dion did to get into sixth position you know rookie runner rookie crew it was just phenomenal and I think yeah the the week or two following Badwater it was kind of almost felt like it was really flat, you know, like we we're missing all the excitement of just being out there and, you know, being this super A-team crew and just all the energy that you come back to real life and you're like, oh, I want to be back out of bad water. <laughs> it felt like a dream almost. Like, yeah. <laughs> yes, we were highly, highly sleep deprived by the end. Um, but seriously, like thinking back on what was taking place and all of a sudden, like Dion deciding to race for the last 13 ish miles, like it was just crazy. It was so fun. (laughs) It was, it was a great experience. So I am really hoping that you get your name in the hat for next year. (laughs) I'll take one for the team. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, I just want to go out there to make Dion have to crew. That's my only goal. No. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're more than it. welcome as well obviously um but no i mean last part on that is just thanks for including me and and also being open to the film uh you know just being open and honest on the film just background and and taking all the extra time to work on that stuff uh in the lead up and then even during the race i just i i couldn't be more appreciative so it was a heck of an experience and um, yeah, I, it was. I, can't wait to see the film once you've put it together. That'd be great. Absolutely. Um, so you wanted to do the Triple Crown, and I wish I could take credit for this idea, but <laughs> Dion, the year before I did it, I, I seem to follow him everywhere. Um, yeah, I seem to be doing the same thing now. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, you know, you can't give credit to any one reason of wanting to do the triple crown and it's such a a huge task to undertake that you can't 
you can't even just base it on someone's recommendation because you can't go and do something like that if you're just doing it because someone said it was fun. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> it's such a, a life-changing experience to go out there and, you know, run 200 miles on your own steam and on your own two feet that, you know, I think that the main reason for me wanting to do it was because I wanted to see how that would feel and how that could change my life and, you know, now that I've come out the other side of it, I just, I feel like I'm superwoman. Like, I feel like I can do anything. And, you know, I've been working on my confidence my whole life and specifically the last sort of 10 years with ultra running. And this is like the icing on the cake. This race has said to me, you know, girl, you can just go out and do anything. You are, you are superwoman. That's, (laughs) it just makes you feel so strong and so powerful. It's amazing. I love it. I, I truly love it. I mean, how much of your experience at UTMB in, I think it was 19, is that yeah. correct? How mm-hmm. much of that experience affected your decision to go out and try to suffer for three or four days at a time here? <laughs> yeah, well, it wasn't just um, the UTMB in Chamonix. I did the Oman by UTMB right. as well, where I was out for two nights as well. So, yeah, both of those really yeah did influence that decision as well and I think it's kind of you know this is why we we do these tough endurance races is to get to that point where everything hurts and you're questioning your sanity you're questioning your your reason for being out there and and that's where you want to get to you want to get to that really really low point that you have to crawl back out of and it kind of sounds sadistic in a way but it's just I don't know it's such a a revealing thing to go and do that it reveals you as a true person and yeah I think there's that's where the magic happens isn't it is when you you get to that point and I don't think you can get to that in in anything else apart from when you're doing these extreme endurance races it does it does make you feel alive um yeah and yeah the Oman race I put more in the alpine like climbing category as opposed to running uh, based <laughs> yeah. on our conversation um, last time. Yeah, that's a brutal, brutal race. But, you know, if I thought Oman was brutal, um, Bigfoot <laughs> just blew my mind away with the the level of terrain there. It's you difficult. know, you just, yeah. you can't even describe it to people. You know, you sometimes I think there was one section where I was lucky if I did a mile in an hour because mm-hmm. the, the trail is just so overgrown and you're smashing yourself up against branches. You can't even see the trail in front of you. Someone counted that we had 209 blowdowns to go through between Clickitat and Twin Sisters. I mean, 209 trees. Like, that's just phenomenal <laughs> that and, that was different from when i was there uh that mm. that must have happened with some snow in the last year or two because i don't think we had that many but mm. um there yeah, there were some lot. for sure i definitely fell on a few um <laughs> yeah, but they're, they're rough and they're not even just like you know you say to people oh there's trees down and it's like it's not just stepping over a log you know you're having to literally climb the tree that is precariously balanced on the side of a mountain and <laughs> somehow get over it um it's they're big trees they are big trees <laughs> they're out in that area everything's just more extreme um so take me back i don't want to like go through the entire race like step by step but this was a hard year for bigfoot i i've had an interview already with someone that dnf'd it um mm-hmm. and i probably know more people 
DNF'd or had like bad races than actually had great races or finished even. Um, yeah. I mean, the smoke was horrible, but I don't know that first. Like, I, I need to hear that from you. And then I also want to hear how the heat at Badwater may have helped you get through that first day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the learning from Badwater definitely helped me on the first day. Um, it was set to be in the 90s, and it certainly got to that temperature. And so prior to the race, knowing that, I decided to wear Dion's shirt that he wore for Badwater, the long sleeve white raid light um, sun protection shirt, and wear a big straw hat that I'd had at Badwater as well. And you know, there was a few people that decided to do that, and I think the people that did that certainly had a had a better day on day one. And there were people out there just wearing visors, and you know, girls wearing like crop tops, and it's just like you guys are crazy. Like you're going to cook out there, and mm -hmm. that first day, I mean, going through the blast zone, um, which I mean, you know, you've been out there, but to describe it to people listening, that they had the volcanic eruption back in 1980 of Mount St. Helens and that whole mountainside, it's just desolate. It's just that white sort of sand and then there's volcanic rock in sections and there's just no shade to be had. And you have to do that section from the first checkpoint to the second checkpoint. And I'd run out of water by the time we got to the first stream, which was 11 miles after that checkpoint. And you know, reaching that stream, there were people just scattered along the trail, just dehydrated. They were cramping. People were screaming out with cramps. And I mean, all you could do was give them salt tablets and, you know, give them a bit of your water that you had left. But doing that meant that you ended up <laughs> out of water Wait, yourself. And <laughs> take, take me back here again. Wait, what? So what? what is taking place? It sounds like a war zone, honestly. Like, um, <laughs> yeah. It sounds well, crazy. It, like It was just so hot out there, and I think people hadn't prepared themselves so well for that section, and it really was like a war zone. People were just scattered on the side of the trail and, you know, sitting beside a rock trying to get, you know, an inch of shade that might be there, and, yeah, it was just horrific. I think there was quite a high dropout rate um, on that day, and, yeah, I, I just decided to just – keep it really calm you know I wasn't running above myself I was keeping my heart rate low and every time I got too hot I just dropped down to a walk and just trying to conserve water keep the salt tablets coming in I know where you learned that from <laughs> yeah that's, and you get to that really first that first stream and I mean it's a silty sort of gray looking stream which it's... I would never drink out of <laughs> I, I I drunk out of it. <laughs> I did too. I had to. And I, I figure if I have like stomach cancer down the road, that's where it came from. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I used my filter, obviously, but um, yeah, I drank enough just to get through to what they call the oasis, which yeah. is, yeah, gorgeous fresh water. And, and then you replenish. But even from there, it's still a long way to the next checkpoint. And you know, got to that checkpoint and a lot of people were taking a lot of time to rehydrate and just come back to, to life. So that was a tough first wow. day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. so, I mean, what's going through your head when, and how was the smoke in all of this? Because I know it's just, I, I didn't oh, have okay. any problems with the smoke. Okay. Um, yeah, we saw some smoke as we drove towards Packwood when we like first arrived, but during the race, I didn't find any issues with smoke. I mean, you're fully committed to doing the triple. It takes such a high level of just full-blown mental commitment. 
Like, what's going through your head when you're seeing people left and right on the trail just suffering, totally dehydrated? Like, how are you staying focused on the goal at hand? Yeah, that is a hard one to do when you see, and I've had that happen before at races like Marathon de Saab, and it can really mess with your own mind when you start to see other people struggling and, and people that, you know, you might perceive to be fitter than you and, and more experienced than you. Um, so that really does affect you. But it's all about just focusing on yourself and, you know, I'm always – trying to do that sensor check through your body and it's like okay you've got your hat on you know can you cool your neck down so using a buff to cool myself down and you know just thinking how far it is till the next water point and just running within myself um and just knowing that you're going to be out there it was quite a a stark realization that it's going to be a long four days (laughs) if this continues um that was certainly a strong realization that that was going to be the case and i just needed to yeah, buckle up and go for the ride, really. Interesting. Um, mm. And so when when does the race get hard for you? I knew I know it's like hard and you're <laughs> being conservative and holding back early, but when when does the suffering like really kick in? When like I just have to hear like when <laughs> there was a, a a point where you started questioning whether the triple was even reasonable anymore. Yeah. Well, there's probably a few points of that, I have to say. But um, I think the biggest one was probably um, coming into trying to think where it is. I think it was Quartz Ridge. And, you know, it was hot. It was hot again. And I think Quartz Ridge were about 100 and something miles in. So, you know, you've done a lot. um, And it was really hot again. The checkpoints in Bigfoot never seem to be where you want them to be. (laughs) They just seem to take longer and longer to get to. And I was coming down this terrible path, which was all rutted from, they have like motorbikes that go on. Oh, I hate that one so much. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. You can't get your foot flat. Three miles or something of that. Yeah. And it's, it's just horrendous. I had dirt bikes coming past me as well, spraying me with dust and I was tired (laughs) and cranky and I was hungry and thirsty and I was just generally pissed off and you know just thinking what the hell am I doing out here and oh you know when you're just building this up as emotion in in yourself and then I finally got to sort of where the checkpoint was you could just hear the noise and I came around the corner and I saw Dion and I just welled up and started crying and I was just like sobbing and he gave me a hug and he's like what's wrong and I'm like it's just so hard <laughs> like mm. I couldn't I, you can't even put it into words like there was nothing wrong but there was everything wrong like it I just it was so hard like you just have to you know you're going through sleep deprivation and your legs feel like they're falling apart your your feet are searing from whether it be blisters or it's just the sheer impact on you know the balls of your feet and And you just know that you're going to be out there for another couple of days and you just think, oh, my God, why am I doing this? Like, this is just, this is impossible. Who runs 200 miles? It's so hard. (laughs) It really is. Um, But then having a hug with him and, you know, I got some fresh clothes on and I ate some food and then suddenly you're back in a, a good mood again and, yeah, but there's so many of those highs and lows and, 
it's such a, a tough moment, but that was probably the the hardest point where I just saw him and I think seeing him as well, just I just wanted him to carry me off and, and make it all okay. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like having the opportunity to have that like emotional release with someone that you trust kind of might have helped turn things around a little bit. I mean, that's a tough aid station. There's generators. Uh, it's yeah. kind of a weird mileage. And it's before you go into like some deeper woods and some wilder sections begin. Um, tell me about how things progress from there. Yeah, it, it was, you know, it, everything is a tough section. And I remember coming into road 9327 and, you know, it was in the middle of the night and I'd sat down with a couple of runners and we were sat there and the guys at the checkpoint told us that we were in the top 50 and it was just like, Oh my goodness, we're in the top 50. Like I had no idea that I would be in that kind of position. You know, there was about 222 starters and yeah, I was in the top 50. I mean, that gave me a super boost. You know, I was I was ready to die at that checkpoint. I was like, oh, I need to have a sleep. And I thought, no, I need to get to the Lewis River Aid Station where there's an actual sleep station. So I just kind of kept pushing through. Um, and Lewis River was at 112 miles. Um, but yeah, getting to there, that really gave me a really good boost. And going out of checkpoint 9327, you actually get two miles of road um, which is kind of like lulls you into this false sense of security because I was mm. all pumped up from hearing I was in the top 50 and and then you're doing this two miles on the road. You're like, yeah, moving along, great. And then the trail just t- starts on the right and you go down this vertical descent of five miles that there is no trail. It is just overgrown rubbish <laughs> and you just like your feet are just being hammered into the front toe box. And That's the worst. Oh, uh, I was just thinking like my feet were sore before and now they're just excruciating. Like this is going to kill them. I'm not going to be able to go any further after this. It's ridiculous. Um, this is too hard. And, is, you know, is this you, into Lewis River? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's just pitch dark and there's all these big bushes around you. And, and that's the only time I actually thought, you know, if there's a wild animal out here, then I'm in trouble. You know, this is definitely bear country. And But then I figured I was swearing and shouting so loud every time my toes hurt that no one was probably going to be near me in terms of wild animals. What did you think um, of the ferns? The ferns? Did, uh, did you go through I, those? I, I like, don't really remember the ferns. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, there's, there's sections there where once or twice you look around – and you're like by yourself and it's pitch dark and you're like, yeah, like I sense mountain lions kind of, is that, yeah. <laughs> is that, was that yeah. the vibe kind of in that area? Absolutely. I was more thinking of bears, but uh, mountain lions I could see happening as well. Um, yeah, that was, that was s- tough. And, and go- you don't see Sorry. other wildlife. So it's like, mm-hmm. to me, that's like a uh, red flag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like exactly. You don't see that many squirrels or whatever. Yeah. And coming out of there, I finally made it to Lewis River where I decided to actually have a sleep. Um, they had a, a whiskey shot station outside of the checkpoint, which I declined. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> I thought I was hallucinating that, but I've heard since that other people did have whiskey. Um, and I had a two-hour nap there, which was the best thing I could do because leaving Lewis River then, I, I made up some time and caught some people up. Um, so that was really good. But 
yeah, it was a it was a tough climb out of how, there as how well. How was that climb? I've I've kind of pinpointed that as maybe one of the hardest in ultra running. It's maybe five thousand feet of climbing. I want to say. Yeah, well, they had a bit of a they changed kind of the the route at that point, so it was a slight deviation from the year before. And yeah, I think someone said we were doing seven and a half thousand feet, and. It was hot again. It was just, you know, we were back up in probably the high 80s, but now you're in like dense forest. So it starts to feel like a bit of a jungle. And it's just long, long old climb to the top. <laughs> so, Have you ever experienced a climb that hard? Uh, I think, you know, the climbs are similar. Well, they're not even as long as the ones in Chamonix. So, yes, I have experienced climbs that long before but not after doing 112 miles <laughs> so <laughs> exactly, I think exactly. it kind of makes it feel like it's doubly hard um yeah <laughs> that's funny yeah so that's just really tough and <laughs> how was how was getting to chain of lakes because a lot of times you hit at least the year I did it you hit road and it's mm. like it's these free miles that are available for the taking if you have legs left in you. And there's a lot of sections like that in this yeah. race where it's like, here's your free miles. Take them if, if you please. But, um, <laughs> well, I, I took to? them. Yeah, I took them. I, I'd had a good climb out and I got to sort of the top where you could see a lake with a mountain in the background. I don't think it was actually a chain of lakes, but I could see this amazing lake with a mountain and then you're on a dirt sort of fire trail heading down to that first lake. Then you did a little bit of trail and then you hit the actual bitumen for the three miles. And I was, I felt like I was flying at that point. I'd put on some Aussie classic music, <laughs> so uh -oh. hitting some tunes, <laughs> playing them out loud and, the sun was going to be setting. I just, I was really keen to get to Chain of Lakes um, before the sunset. Um, and I just hit the road and I was running and I could see someone in the distance. I thought, right, I'm going to catch this guy. And he was walking and that was my mission. I was going to catch up to him and then I'd take a walk break. So caught up to him and yeah, we went into the checkpoint together. And it was amazing because we were chatting along the trail and the sun was setting and he was chatting away. And then I'd mentioned something about that I was hoping that Dion was going to be at this next checkpoint and that Gobi might be there. And he was like, hang on a minute. He's like, what's your husband's last name? I'm like, oh, Leonard. He's like, I just read his book. <laughs> <laughs> and that was really cool because he'd said that his mum had read the book and what she really got out of it was a great understanding of what we do as ultra runners. Um, so that was really nice to hear as well that, you know, she really enjoyed it and learnt something about the ultra running community and, and what we do. So it was fantastic it. To, to see that, to hear that. And, yeah, he'd loved the book as well. And and then suddenly Dion was there on the trail about a mile out of Chain of Lakes and, and saw us into the checkpoint, which was fantastic. So, yeah, and he was there with some tater tots. So <laughs> everyone was really jealous as I was hoeing into a, a serving of tater tots there and, yeah, then I was heading off into the third night, and this was now the section where you have to do the river crossings. Yeah, so, I yeah. will never forget those. <laughs> I mean, so ketchup or no ketchup on tater tots? Oh, tater tots were great, yes. Ketchup? Definitely. Ketchup, oh yeah, ketchup and mayonnaise. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm Dutch, I'm Dutch, so That's I have right. mayonnaise, yeah. That's kind of brilliant for ultra running, added calories. Yeah, Get them in <laughs> for sure. conveniently. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that was we were heading into our third night now. So you chain of lakes that is 143 miles, 
and we'd headed out there at about 10 o'clock at night. So I was, um, Brandon, the guy I'd hooked up with, he headed out a little bit before me because he was going to have a trail nap for 10 minutes along the way. So I thought, right, I'll eat my tater tots and then head off. And it was really sweet because I got to the the first big river crossing, which was about waist, not waist high, mid-thigh height. And Brandon had seen my head torch coming, so he waited for me because he thought I might get swept away in the river, <laughs> which was really sweet. Um, that's what ultra runners do, right? You help each other out. <laughs> I mean, that's a serious river. I I had my weight, I had my Kogala waist belt on, oh. and I went in, and I was very close to like ending that battery. Like, yeah, um, it's just something you don't think about until you're like all the way, like very, very deep in, and you're like, oh crap. <laughs> uh large yeah. battery there <laughs> yeah that's a scary river and it's got some force behind it as well so i was glad to have my poles to kind of hold me steady in the river as well and yeah it was so nice to join up with someone for the night i think for most of the race i hadn't run with anyone you know it sort of had little chats with people as you kind of around them but i hadn't spent hours with anyone and then brandon and i ended up spending the night together and just chatting the whole way. And I'm so grateful for that because it's I think both of yeah. us would have been a lot slower. It's um, like it's having just, a pacer, honestly. Yeah, it's all, it I wouldn't is. say it's like cheating, but like when you team up and, and help one another, like it's such a better experience a lot of times during 200s. It is for sure. And because before I'd caught up to him, I could feel the sleep monster already was chasing me. You know, I was starting to feel a little slow and a bit dazed. And yeah, so he definitely kept me awake. And he said the same thing that I'd kept him awake as well, which was great. And we joked about it later because we ended up seeing the sunrise together. So we saw the sunset, spent the night together and saw the sunrise together. So it was very romantic. <laughs> People don't get it. I mean, they, no. they, they don't get it um, unless you've had to do that experience. I what I found helpful was taking trail naps like as a small group so like because the biggest thing you could do there is like either it gets super cold and and there's like a emergency situation with that or you just sleep for like six hours and don't realize it so having (laughs) multiple backups and helping each other and then all trying to sleep at the same time like it's a yeah. cool element. I mean, did you guys end up taking trail naps too or no? Yeah, well, he started to feel really sleepy and he peeled off for a nap and I thought I'll just carry on. Um, but half an hour later I was like, oh, I was like a drunk. I was swaying all over yeah. the trail and I just thought I'm going to fall off the side of this mountain. Um, so I had a, my first ever trail nap, a 20-minute trail nap, slipped into my emergency bivy bag, set my alarm for 20 minutes and, yeah, yeah as soon as my head hit the ground I was gone and then like you wake up and you're you're like drooling and you're disorientated and you look up and there's like a sky full of stars and pine trees and you're just like, well, where am I? What what am I doing? <laughs> Did you line your poles up so you knew what direction you were going in? <laughs> no, but I knew I was going uphill. Okay. So I just had to keep going uphill and yeah, I'd woken up then and then Brandon had caught me up. So we must have had the same sort of trail map and then we rejoined forces. Um, that sounds and- just like where the taco bar was when I was there. Um, and yeah. just just to like hit on that one one little additional point, like what what does it feel like to like learn the ability, like the superpower of a trail nap? Like 
Did yeah. you did you feel like wow I've unlocked something here that I didn't really understand before or was were you just groggy and like all right I got to just keep moving cuz there's times where I I like by Tahoe 200 I was like and this was towards the end I could just for a te- I could set my phone for 10 lay down in the middle of the sketchiest rocks on on a trail and just like pass out comfortably and it was like i felt like i had unlocked something for myself <laughs> in doing multi-day races yeah well i have to say it surprised me as to how my body reacted to having trail naps and the fact that you would get up and be totally able to move as you were moving before but better like you felt refreshed a 20 minute nap was enough to to make you feel rejuvenated and but your body didn't seize up it was almost like your mind knew that you weren't finished yet because i know once i'd finished i went to get up from my chair and like there was no chance i was moving anywhere it was frozen like you know, my muscles have seized up, but doing the trail naps, I was absolutely fine to keep going. So yeah, totally unlock something there. That was an amazing experience to, to know that the trail naps work and I don't need to have a tent. I don't need to have a bed. I can just sleep anywhere. <laughs> We're such dirt baggers. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, that's that- really cool to hear someone else uh, having like a very similar experience because it's just hard to explain to people like you, you swear that 20 minutes, you feel like a new person. Um, yeah, but totally. I feel like a lot of people are like, yeah, whatever. Like, okay, Rob. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, maybe that gets worse if you're out there for, you know, if you start doing six or seven day stuff, but yeah, it definitely worked for the, the 200. Um, <laughs> so well, that some- was good. Sometimes you do them and they don't work. And that is where you can like really have a bad section or two is like when you're trying to do the reset, but the reset isn't working. It's like those old Nintendos, you keep hitting the reset, you're taking the cartridge out, you're blowing on it. It's not working. Like, um, (laughs) it can be very frustrating also. Um, It can be. Yeah. And then moving on from there, we were going to Clickitat, which uh, is 160 miles in. And this was the one aid station that Dion had said he was 100% going to be there um, until he wasn't. (laughs) Yeah, I got into Clickitat thinking, excellent, Dion's going to be here. Like I'm going to – I was thinking I was going to have another nap there. And I got there and he wasn't there. Um, and we had spoken about it beforehand, you know, if for some reason he didn't turn up where he's supposed to be, then you just have to move on because you don't know what's happened. And the roads out there are so treacherous. You know, Dion ended up, he drove 600 miles to crew me, which is just unreal. I mean, that's like from where you are, Denver to Salt Lake is only 513 miles. Um, so Denver to Oklahoma, I think I worked out, was what you would be driving to crew me at Bigfoot. And he wasn't even at all the aid stations. So that's just phenomenal. And the reason I found out later he wasn't at Clickitat was that he'd got a flat tire the night before. So he'd had to deal with a flat tire in the middle of the night on this dirt road in the middle of nowhere with no phone service, no one to help him and change into this emergency spare tire, get back down a mountain and then get the tire changed at the tire shop, which didn't open till eight o'clock in the morning. Like, oh my goodness, like all the drama that he's having to go through. I think he felt just as exhausted afterwards as I did because he'd had no sleep either. I mean, Gobi couldn't fix it. 
I, I can just kind of see Gobi there, like, <laughs> trying to well, put luckily, the spare on. Luckily, he hadn't taken Gobi for that section, which was a blessing in disguise because, yeah, you don't want to be stuck out there with Gobi at, at the same time. It's hard enough to look after yourself. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I can but, just yeah, imagine. I was, I was so disappointed he wasn't there, but I just I had to switch my mind around and just – go, okay, he's not here. What am I going to do? I'm going to eat some food and I'm going to get cracking. And, you know, you're only, you know, you're heading home now. It's 40 miles to get to the, the finish line. So just get moving. Um, the volunteers there had said that the next section was really tough. You know, it was 19 miles and people said that it, they're preparing for around 10 hours out there. And I was thinking, 10 hours? No way. I'm going to prove them wrong. I'm going to do this in eight hours. But, um, they weren't wrong. <laughs> that <laughs> section really sucked. Oh my god! I started really well, like the first four miles. I was, you know, doing a little bit of a jog. I passed a few people, and and then it just wasn't going well. There were I was being chased by mosquitoes. There were just clouds of mosquitoes. So you couldn't even stop to have a bite of food because as soon as you stopped or slowed down just a fraction, there were just mosquitoes all over you. I got bitten to death out there. And then you're climbing through down trees and there's steep climbs and through one of the trees, actually, I was getting through, it was a really precarious one and you're climbing over it. And then I suddenly heard angry bees and I was just like, oh my goodness. And suddenly they latched onto me and two of them stung me. I was just freaking out. It's like hitting my legs with my poles. And for some reason, I, I must have got an adrenaline rush from the bee sting. That's what the medics told me afterwards because I somehow jumped out of this tree and I started sprinting up the trail and I was, like, looking down. I'm like, I'm running up a hill. Well, I had 165 miles. Uh, but it must have been the adrenaline because I was pumped and I was, like, but I was super scared as well. I was like, oh, my gosh, what if I'm allergic and I'm going to blow up and go into anaphylactic shock and I'm going to die out here? <laughs> it was just crazy stuff. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, yeah. So, I mean, is this the section where you're not too far away from another aid station? Is the aid station, like, about 175 still? Yeah. Yeah, I think um, I probably had another five miles to go. Okay. And that's the aid yeah. station where you're dropping down? Yeah. So you're dropping down to Twin Sisters. Yeah. Um, yeah. You drop down, then you have to come back on yourself the way you'd gone and then head back out and then go through a really overgrown section as well and then start the descent down to Owens Creek. Are you are you still like jogging because of that adrenaline shot from all the, <laughs> the bee scare and the mosquitoes and everything else going on? Um, I had for a bit, um, but then I'd gotten tired again. And actually those last sort of three miles down into Twin Sisters just hard. I saw Hillary, and, uh, the photographer back then, and I just yeah. looked at her and she, it's like the first time I've had like a camera person try to give me a pep talk. I was yeah. like, <laughs> like, it just felt like it would never come like that aid station just took forever. It did. It was, and there was so many down trees on it and you just couldn't get a run on and it was mm -hmm. overgrown. I mean, Dion actually met me two miles out from the aid station because he, he knew how tough that section was as well. And he knew that would not be my um, comfort zone to say the least. And 
he was trying to give me a pep talk and yeah I sort of spotted him as I was like climbing over a log really slowly and I've like looked at him and I'm just like this sucks like where the hell is this aid station I'm just like I've been stung by bees I've been eaten by mosquitoes and he's I think I've saved it on the video which I'll share and um, he's like don't give me your sob stories keep moving (laughs) (laughs) did you I mean were you hallucinating at all like did the thought go through your head like that's not him like I'm probably imagining or (laughs) not at that point Um, that did happen just before the last checkpoint Um, okay I'll wait I'll wait for that one Um, and so were you able to get background on like oh, like you missed the last aid station because of the tire issue and you got more insight on that? Yeah, that's when he told me that. And yeah, he didn't want to stress me out or anything. But um, yeah, he he told me all that had happened. And so that was good to know because he hadn't just missed me because he was, you know, trying to get some sleep. (laughs) There was actually something wrong. So the beautiful irony is like you kind of like disappeared during his race for a few miles also. And so... I, yeah, you know, he disappeared from yours for a while. Kind of <laughs> exactly, beautifully it's perfect there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so did that, did that aid station? I'm guessing that was like a 45 minute type stop because you had been going for 10 hours straight. No, actually, because I got in there and now it was like you're thinking it was just one more checkpoint and I was going to be on the home stretch. So mm-hmm. I did want to sit there and rest and but Dion got me moving quickly he was like you got to go like you know you need to get out of here while it's still light it was probably about four or five in the afternoon and he's like you got to climb out of here you've got a little out and back to do and then you've got a descent um you know through some blowdowns and stuff so he's like if you can get some light to do this in that's going to be better for you and you know I was moaning and (laughs) just telling him I just wanted to rest and he took some amazing photos of me looking like I'd had a stroke or something at that point but he sent me on my way and (laughs) I'd eaten some food and yeah I I got up and I did the out and back just as it was getting dark and the weather turned as well so it started raining so now it was dark and wet and I was trying to get my way down this stupid section that was just so vertical I think I spent more time on my bum than on my feet at that point it was just ridiculous but then when you reach the bottom it didn't get any better because I don't know if it was the same for you Dion said it was the same for him you couldn't see the route Um, he was in the daylight I was doing it in the dark and I was ended up having to use my phone and follow the GPX route because you just couldn't see the markers and there were so many down trees and it was, yeah, and it was wet and dark. So. I, I mean, I just distinctly remember, well, magical experience on that, that climb looking out um, for the out and back. Mm-hmm. And that was just like mind blowing. And then also realizing like, I'm, I think I was in like the top 30 or something. I was like, well, that's unexpected because I <laughs> have been goofing off half the time. Um, <laughs> and, but then that drop down in those gnarly down trees, I distinctly remember putting my foot on one, trusting it in both my feet, just flying into the air. And I hit the exact like back of my pack on the tree and just thinking <laughs> like, well, that was close to breaking your neck. Like, it, yeah, like those trees were so slippery, even during the daytime, not looking wet. So I can't imagine you throw rain in there. It's just like, oh my gosh, like that's not good. 
that wasn't did good. Did you crash and burn at all? I yeah, crashed and burned a little bit in there, and I just the sleep deprivation was really getting to me. Um, I just I couldn't see straight anymore. I mean, I'd been hallucinating already. I mean, I'd previously seen Michael Jackson. Um, the day before, um, out on course, and I'd seen a carriage being led we, by two lions. We, we, back up, back up. <laughs> let's slow down. Um, we, what happened? Uh, Michael Jackson was out there amongst a whole range of other people that I saw. But yeah, at one point, I could have sworn it was Michael Jackson in a white sparkly coat, and I even took a photo of it because it was during the day. And but it was such a weird experience because was he I knew singing? what I was. Or was he quiet? No, he was just. He was quiet. He was just looking into the distance. (laughs) But you know that it's not real and you still, like, you see it and you know it's not real but you're like, you kind of acknowledge that and you just move on and then you see the next thing. You're like, yep, that's that's great. (laughs) But by this point I was like I'd caught up to another guy and we were going through the last section to the last checkpoint together and I was just seeing, like, all these trees and that were just morphing into animals and, Ooh. But friendly ones, like they were all like you could see their heads bopping up and down and they were like smiling and I was like waving at them and <laughs> <laughs> it was it was just crazy. But it felt like it was an out-of-body experience. I felt like I was above myself watching myself waving to these animals. It was Dean Carnassus really said that's, that's what happens when you die. Like he literally <laughs> said that to me on a podcast once. Like you literally have that experience. Um, So you were were close to the end there. Um, I was. It was um, about a mile out from the last checkpoint that I saw Dion. But I even said to the guy I was with, I was like, his name is Dustin. Dustin Hoffman. That's his real name. Yeah, I know. I was going to actually tweet about that, but I held off. Yeah. So he, he was the guy I was with and I said to him, I'm like, can you can you see a real person up there? He's like, yeah, yeah, that's a real person. I'm like, you sure? <laughs> and then when I got up to him and I touched him, I'm like, oh, it is. <laughs> so, oh, my gosh. And just going into that last checkpoint, I mean, you know you've only got 13 miles to go, but that last checkpoint looks so cosy. They had a fire going and fairy lights and they gave me a bowl of, like, this fresh chicken soup and oh, I was just in heaven and I just wanted to stay there and I didn't, Dion made me go <laughs> again. I mean, it's, it's like a downhill kind of like rolling downhill to you get to the road. I, I assume it's yeah. still the, in the same place, roughly speaking. Yeah, yeah. On the dirt, dirt road with lots of little rocks that, you know, suddenly are really hurting your feet quite a lot. <laughs> so, so you're hurting for sleep if you're seeing that much stuff. Like, did you and Dion talk about a, a nap at all? Or was that just you're too close to the end? Too so close. Yeah. Okay. No, so that, no chance. So no chance. Was it a wild last 13 miles? If you're... <laughs> it was a wild last 13 miles. I had Dion drove up. Um, he was going to meet me on the road. So he left the checkpoint and... Um, he met me on the road, so we had seven miles to go now on proper bitumen road and Dion had done the calculations and he said, right, if you can do 14-minute miles for the next seven miles, you're going to get a sub-90-hour finish. And I was just like, oh, okay, I don't know if I could do that, but let's let's try. And, you know, I did the first mile and then the second mile. It was like, yeah, you know, this is okay. Then the third mile, I was like, no, God, I can't do this anymore, like – it was it was just getting too hard. Like my 
I was so tired and I just I just wanted to stop. I wanted to walk. I just wanted the pain to go away. But Dion was, it was nighttime and he couldn't get to the finish and then come back and pace me. So he kind of hung near me in the car and thank goodness he did because I couldn't even see the road at this point. I was so sleep deprived. I was, all I could see was like white sparkly road in front of me, but no edges or nothing. And um, luckily his car lights kind of gave me a bit more depth perception. So, but he was like, he was shouting at me. He was like, you got to keep going, you know, come on, you can do it. And he just had so much belief that I could continue to run this fast, you know, after running 202 miles that I could do this pace. And I was screaming at him. I wish we'd got it on video because I can just remember and he tells me about it as well. He came up beside me and he had the window down and he's shouting at me to keep going and I'm just shouting back. I'm like, this sucks. I don't even, I don't even care. What does this even mean? What does sub 90 mean? It means nothing. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but all the while, I'm like, I'd look at my watch and I'm like, okay, I'm still doing the pace. <laughs> so he like so, got you focused on that for some, somehow yeah. he got you focused on that and it seemed to work actually. Yeah, I don't even know Kept how he managed to do it because even at one point he was like, right, you've got three miles to go. I'm like, you're lying. It's further. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he was worried and I said, you need to go check. And so he actually drove off and left me and he was he told me after he was so worried that I was just going to walk you know after we'd done all that hard work but he he drove off he checked the mileage he came back and he said I was still motoring along and I had my music blaring trying to keep myself awake and yeah then we had like two miles to go so he's like right I'm going to go to the finish now and see you in and oh just when you finally see that school and the track and you've got to run around that track and I'm just like running and at some points I looked down I was like doing 11 minute miles and I hit that track and they start ringing the bells and everyone's cheering and uh, at that point I finally realized I was going to finish I was going to finish the race and you know you allow yourself to well up a little bit and get a bit emotional and just what a feeling to cross that line and to be on that track with it like I mean there was only a handful of people there you know it was a couple of race volunteers it was 3 30 in the morning and yeah I'd made it I did the 89 hours 53 minutes so I'd made up seven minutes so I got in sub 90 wow. and yeah it was just phenomenal and I just with Dion having that belief in me I'd I never would have imagined I could have done that in the last seven miles. And it just blows my mind that my body was capable, that I was capable of doing it. I think when I was shouting at him, I was so scared to try because I thought, what if I hurt myself? What if I break? What if I can't do it? What if I try so hard and I still can't achieve what I want to achieve? And But you do. <laughs> it's just, yeah, just really changes your whole perception on what you're capable of that's phenomenal and then to think you cross the line you you know you pick out your belt buckle and you go and sit down and they brought me over they had a pizza guy there making pizzas so I ate some pizza and then like 20 minutes later I went to stand up and I I couldn't move anymore (laughs) so how how does that happen I was just running 11 minute miles 20 minutes ago just that your body knows like the mind's told the body you're done you're finished. <laughs> so, it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, but, wow. Isn't it a magical experience looking over those belt buckles? I mean, it's like yeah. hard to explain because you're so exhausted, but you're so excited. And it's just a weird, 
like trying to use your brain in that decision making process is uh yeah kind of comical in itself honestly but i ended up pink up picking a pink um background because i'm raising money for breast cancer so i thought that's fitting and then it had like all these silver ferns like creeping over it so that reminded me of all the the trees that had turned into animals that yeah. was my choice <laughs> that's awesome yeah all my friends on the trails <laughs> i just i love that they're all unique so you can pick something that's a little bit more meaningful to you um yeah. as opposed to having like a standardized one um mm-hmm. And so what did Dion tell you or say to you when you crossed the finish line? Was he emotional? Did you have the energy to be emotional at that point? And like, tell me more about that. (laughs) Well, I literally just fell into his arms. Um, He was there and just gave me the biggest hug and just told me that I'm, I'm so proud of you. So proud. And yeah, it's just... I get tears welling up in my eyes thinking about it because it's just amazing to be like just the two of us, you know, lots of people are out there with crews and paces and getting support along the way and, and we just did it, just the two of us and, you know, I couldn't have done it without him and even leading up to it, you know, Dion really coached me and, and mentored me the last sort of 12 months in getting ready for this and I think his coaching of me really helped me get to the finish I think without that because it's the type of race you can't just there's no training plans out there for a 200 mile event you know even for a 100 mile and I think that just having his support there and just really guiding me through the whole process prepared me so well mentally for what was going to come um, that yeah how do you replicate that and I think that's now added to my experience I'm already coaching um, a lady doing the tarp that's doing the Tahoe 200 and I think I can just add so much more value as well now as a coach um, because you can't just get someone to run 200 miles there's so much more to it there's the whole planning beforehand it's your drop bags it's your sleep strategy it's your eating strategy it's your mental strategy, I mean, without a mental strategy, then you're not finishing 200 miles. So, yeah, exactly. having having him there and having him there for when I finished and having him there throughout the race, that was just really special. And, yeah, something that we share together now, which is great. Yeah, I mean, it's probably pretty rare to have a, a husband and a wife that both have that belt buckle collection. Like, that's <laughs> probably pretty rare. And I can just imagine him saying he's proud of you and now it's time for a shower because you <laughs> stink no <I'm> just yeah. <laughs> um, and I mean his experience is different to mine he's you know top of the pack he he came second in the triple crown overall and but he was really good at sort of yeah explaining things to me in my level you know middle of the pack um yeah at, at the end of the the day I did better I ended up being 41st overall so I was stoked That's with awesome. that as well I hadn't even thought about you know, placing, um, before the race. So yeah, it was phenomenal. It's, it's unlike any race I've ever experienced. It's, it's its own beast and just huge, huge congrats. I mean, that's, you did not have a, an easy, uh, few days out there. So, (laughs) um, well done. And then to shift gears a little bit, I'm pretty bummed. I mean, a lot of Tahoe is south tahoe at least is sort of on fire right now um i know it's devastating just seeing all the images of that and 
we were there in June. We spent the whole month there and I'm so grateful that we got to run on some of the trails and see some of the route. That was all in preparation to run the race and, you know, obviously there's much greater things at play there with people losing their homes and yeah. businesses and all the poor animals. Oh, I think about all the animals that can't escape as well and it's just that, horrible to that think That baby of. bear photo that I saw was awful. Oh, it was yeah. just. I think it was that area where it was just walking down the middle of the, the road, down the the exact center of the road, just looking lost and confused. And um, yeah, it's, it's horrible. It is horrible. Um, and that's changed everything. Because, yeah, obviously Tahoe is not going ahead. Um, we actually had to find emergency accommodation. Um, we were heading into Tahoe when the evacuation orders um, were put out. So we are now in Salt Lake City after scrambling to find oh, some accommodation, which is not easy when you have a, a dog and a cat as well. So, yeah, so no Tahoe. We're now in Salt Lake. And, yeah, for Tahoe, the plan is um, to run it virtually. So next Friday I'll be running the Salt Lake City 200-miler. <laughs> no kidding. Wow. Yeah. And um, that's going to be tough. So is that um, an official uh, option? Like, obviously, Tahoe 200 the the actual physical race is canceled so mm -hmm. um is the virtual now apparently some kind of uh option to complete the triple crown this year it is it is there's some rules like you have to prove that you've run 200.01 miles and we have to have climbed 33,800 feet in less than 110 hours um you still have to carry all the mandatory kit that you would. Um, obviously, things change in terms of, you know, you set up your own sort of cruise or checkpoints. You can use like 7-Elevens or whatever you want to do. Um, but, yeah, you have to do the distance. You have to do the climbing and you have to carry the mandatory kit and do it in the time. So that's – and that's going to now um, qualify us for the Triple Crown. So, yeah, that was – my goal was to do the triple, so I'm going to have to do the virtual, <laughs> which that's going to be a whole different sort of challenge because you miss having the runners around you. You know, that gives you motivation and, and keeps you moving and chatting to people and, you know, the volunteers that you have at those aid stations that will help you take off your smelly socks and pierce your blisters and tape <laughs> you up. And who's going to do that for me? Dion's not going to do that. You know, he'll run bits with me and feed me, but he's not going to do my blisters. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I mean, oh. is is Joe back from um, Chamonix? Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, I'll I send mean, him I'm up. Thinking about feet experts, I I can't think of many. Um, mm. Though I'm not going to have feet trouble this time because the Exoskin socks worked a treat. I had no blisters on my toes at all, and the only reason what? I got blisters seriously that's awesome. Yeah. Zero. The medics even said my feet were the best they'd seen. Um, and I only got blisters on my heels because I stupidly changed into a half size bigger shoe halfway through Bigfoot, just preempting that my feet were going to swell, mm -hmm. but they weren't swelling at all. And as soon as I changed, and then I had like 20 hours to go before I'd see Dion again to get my old shoes back. So that was a stupid mistake. And I would not have had a blister had I not changed those shoes. So that's impressive, yeah. especially with the water crossings. I mean, I did it without crew um, or pacers and I messed up where my drop bag was supposed to be. So I was like in the same pair of socks for way, way too long for any 200 mile race. Um, yeah. 
and my my feet just were waterlogged they weren't they didn't have um any like major issues they were just white because of Mm -hmm. being soaked for so long which freaked me out yeah Um, that's never a good look (laughs) no no we, we put them by the fire and it yeah they all came back but so this virtual race is, I think, probably harder than mm. just doing Tahoe 200. Yep. You're going to be lacking um, a lot of like external motivators, and your internal motivator will have to be much higher. And yeah. the comparison, too, is difficult. I wish there was more of like a standardized like way of going about that. So like an alt-route like so that the top 40 like at least you could have like some kind of relative comparison that's a little more standardized but regardless are you so you're planning on going to moab 240 also yes absolutely and yeah my goal was to do the triples so i thought well i'll have to do the virtual and then yeah we're down in moab to do the 240 miles um starts the 8th of october so looking forward to that i mean Last question here, because you've you've taken a ton of your time, and I'm always appreciative of you guys. Um, have you actually selected a course for Tahoe 200 virtual? Like, have you picked out yeah. trails? Like, are you going to do like Antelope Island or something to that effect? <laughs> um, no, there's a there's a trailhead near us, um, so it's about a five mile run from the house to the trailhead, oh, and then cool. I've mapped out a. There's a five-mile route up, which will get me 2,700 feet. So I need to do 12 laps of that. And then the rest I'm going to do running around Salt Lake City on the road um, to kind of give it a mix. So I'll have the climbing on the trails and then the rest of the mileage um, on the roads around here. So, yeah, just mixing it up. And because we don't have, you know, because we travel and we're always, we only have a car full of stuff. We don't have camper van. We don't have a barbecue or a stove top or we don't even have a cooler box, you know. So <laughs> we kind of have to use the house as the checkpoint because we don't have the checkpoints. So it's, yeah, thinking about what's easiest to manage with just having Dion here to support me. Um, so that's how I'm going to do it. So if there's anyone yeah. in Salt Lake City that fancies running a few laps up and down the trail, I'll, I'll put some details on my Facebook page and Instagram um, next week and, yeah, hopefully I can get a few people come out and join me at some point. Awesome. I mean, yeah. that, that sounds really um, positive given the circumstances. I know it's a, p- a pretty big blow just given how yeah. dedicated both physically but mostly like the mental commitment to getting these three races done is just astronomical. Um, so I feel for you. I feel for everyone affected in, in the Tahoe region as well. Um, yeah. it's a bummer all around. Like if it's not COVID, it's wildfires. Now it's like, gosh, we can't catch a break. Yeah. Um, it's really, really sad. And obviously want everyone in Tahoe to be safe. And it's just so hard to feel sad about your race when you feel bad about what's happening in Tahoe and you feel yeah. guilty for feeling sad, but there's all exactly. these mixed emotions like, ah, it's just not good <laughs> at all. Yeah, no, I totally mm-hmm. agree. Um, but I mean, after all is said and done, I want to hear just your final thought on doing your first 200 miler, Bigfoot 200, you have the belt buckle. What's like, what's your final takeaway? <laughs> I have blown my own mind. <laughs> it's 
<laughs> it is truly phenomenal. I think some people will say that I'm crazy for thinking about running this distance. Um, I like to think that I'm courageous, um, that all of us that turn up on the start line even are just courageous to to go and prepare and to put yourself forward for the challenge of running such a distance. Um, yeah, I just think that, you know, training and preparation aside, that the key ingredient is belief, you know, believe in yourself and that carries you through um, and that's how you'll be successful. But um, it has definitely blown my mind. <laughs> I don't know if yours was blown after running it, but mine was definitely blown. All right. So I'm, I'm joined here with an update from Lucia. Um, as we ended the episode, she talked about that virtual Tahoe 200 that she was setting out for. And Lucia, I mean, walk me through kind of what was the game plan for the virtual event because you're going after this triple crown of 200s. Yeah. And then uh, there was a bit of a bit of a hiccup. <laughs> there was. Um, the game plan was simple enough. Um, you know, we're based here in Salt Lake City for the month after being basically evacuated from Tahoe. Um, so it wasn't planned to be here. Um, obviously, the race was supposed to happen in Tahoe. And that was now going to be virtual, which I thought, yep, no problems. But, you know, turning up to a, a new city, um, I mean, I'd been here once before to pace Dion at Wasatch a few years ago, but let's face it, I don't know the place, um, don't know the trails, don't know people, you know, there's no support network here. So trying to plan a virtual 200-mile race when you don't know um, the surrounds is very difficult. So having to use our home um, as a base was kind of the priority. So I'd planned on having a few laps up to a trailhead um, that's nearby here um, and then heading up to Mount Wire to get the elevation because you had to get um, basically nearly 34,000 feet worth of elevation gain. So you couldn't just run around the streets. You had to to get onto the trails um, to get that elevation gain. So, yeah, which is over the height of Everest. So that's quite difficult to find um, when you're trying to plan a race. Um, so, yeah, that was really difficult. And that was the plan was laps up there and then laps around the city to sort of make up mileage. And I'd found Mount Wire was about 2,200 feet of elevation gain over kind of a two-mile ascent, so really steep. And, yeah, we'd gone out and wrecked it um, a little bit beforehand and felt good about it. We could park the car at the bottom, so that would be a mobile checkpoint. And then running back home was another four miles back home, so that would be the other checkpoint. Um, and, yeah, planned on doing the trail sections at night um, because the temperatures here were still up in the high 90s. So just thought it might be smarter to do that during the night um, to stay out of the heat. And yeah, that was the game plan. So, yeah. so how, how was it going? Like how, how were the first kind of few miles, like first 10, 15, 20 miles of your race? Yeah. I mean, it was going pretty good. Um, obviously the fatigue was real. Um, I'd had probably two little runs before I'd gone to start this again. So yeah, hitting the road section up to the trailhead was fine. It was really warm. I started at four in the afternoon um, and it was about 99 degrees. So I was uh, drunk a litre of water in like four miles. <laughs> so starting off with a bang. Um, but the first first lap up on the trail went well. You know, I thought I'm, I'm moving, um, not 
all that slowly, I didn't think. And even going down the steep, steep descent, um, you know, my legs were playing ball. I could feel my big toes, though. You know, those nails are definitely going to drop off. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the fatigue was definitely real. But so I was feeling confident. So the fatigue of, of you know? Bigfoot or was it the fatigue of just the heat and in, in the miles for that day? I think a mixture of everything. It was definitely fatigue from Bigfoot. It was fatigue from the heat already impacting. And actually, now that I've had a couple of days to think about it, there was a lot of fatigue from actually trying to get organized to do a virtual. You don't realize how much time, mental energy it takes. I'd spent the two days beforehand, like cooking up, you know, bits of food that I would eat throughout, you know, like chili con carne, and I'd cooked up some hash and, you know, made some pancake mix and stuff like that and just all that stuff that you have to do to prepare whereas when you go to a race someone else does that for you so the first, the couple of days before the race you basically lay down for two days and put your feet up so yeah. I think there was a little bit of fatigue on that as well and uh, hash, which I and, hadn't and hash accounted for, the, for hash for the listeners background is uh hash browns um <laughs> yeah, yeah, not the other hash. <laughs> Though maybe Lucia, that would have been Lucia better. Lucia <laughs> and Dion have different terms for basically everything. So no, I'm just kidding. Mm-hmm. Um, so we so like you, to keep you on your toes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm like the disclaimer guy behind the scenes here. Um, <laughs> no, but you, uh, you, so you put your feet up. You're you cook most of your food. You're putting the miles. Yeah. It's hot. Your toenails are kind of wrecked which I can relate to. And <laughs> so you, you get through the whole day. Is that how things are going? And like, it's tough, but it's manageable. Yeah, well, actually, I'd started in the afternoon. So I'd started about four o'clock in the afternoon. So then Dion joined me after I'd done a couple of laps um, as it was getting dark. So he joined me for the, the night section. That was always the plan because um, obviously we're aware, you know, there's wild animals out there, uh, rattlesnakes, there's spiders, there's mountain lions, um, you know, there's all sorts of stuff. And, yeah, it was always going to be have him with me during the night and I would do the day sections on my own because there's more people around and it just seems a lot safer during the day. So that was always the plan. And yeah, he came up with me. We both had sets of poles. Um, I carry a personal alarm with me as well. You know, one of those ones you can pull that just sets off a strobe light and a a really loud sounding alarm. So I had that with me as well. And yeah, we were on the the third lap um, going up and yeah, we were just kind of had gone over the summit and there was like a little extra section we could do to get another 700 feet again so we started heading towards that so you kind of went over the summit and then you sort of drop down probably 100 feet before you climb up again and yeah we were heading up there and yeah Dion's head torch caught some eyes in the bushes which you know is nothing unusual you kind of you're used to seeing eyes in the bushes but these ones look like something we hadn't seen before um and so he was like, what, what is that? I was like, I shine my head torch over there. I was like, oh, God, that is that what I think it is? <laughs> it's like, oh, shit. Um, I actually said something probably a little bit stronger than shit, to be fair, but this is a family-friendly podcast. <laughs> and, yeah, <laughs> but, oh, that feeling of just, you know, when there's something not right, like, that is not a good thing to be looking at, you know, and your your heart like jumps up into your throat and your stomach like sinks down between your legs. And 
I actually thought I'd probably shit myself, to be fair. I was <laughs> going to say, I, I mean, did you pee yourself was going to be my, my follow-up. I mean, <laughs> like, so you're yeah, looking at probably this. probably was a, a little bit. How, how, big, how, how big of a mountain lion was it? Well, it looked like it was probably around, you know, kind of waist height. That's kind of where the eyes were sitting. It was kind of in the middle of the bushes. And, yeah, we just we just froze for a second. And then you think, okay, what do we need to do? It's like, right, stand together so that we're larger, you know, clang the poles together and, you know, get that deep voice and shout, like, go away, you know, try, try to not be scared, which – you know, sounds really good in theory, but <laughs> when you're out when there, you're peeing you know, it's like you see anything. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, I'm trying not to be scared. Um, you know, <laughs> clanging the poles together. I set off my alarm. Um, and yeah, the thing just didn't seem phased. It just kind of stood there watching us and it just started to move around the bushes. And we thought, okay, luckily we were kind of on that gradual sort of slope that we'd gone down. So we, we came sort of reversed our way back up there while we could still watch it. But then it disappeared from view and we're like, Oh fuck. Okay. We've got to, we've got to get moving out of here, but not run. You know, that's always the first thing they say is don't turn your back and run. So it's just trying to be calm and kept looking around, kept clanging the poles together. Um, there were no big objects to pick up either up there. There was lots of little pebble rocks, but nothing, you know, nothing big that you could throw at it either. Um, didn't want to throw the poles at it, so we, but we hadn't. It disappeared from view then, so we kind of backed away, got back to the hundred sort of feet climb back up to the the top where there's a little tower thing, and yeah, then we saw it again, and this time it was kind of around the side of us. Um, so yeah, that was <laughs> that. Yeah, that's what it felt like, and you know. Speaking to people afterwards, they're kind of like, you know, it was probably watching you for your first couple of laps anyway. Yeah. Um, and, you know, because normally in a race, you're going through a section, you're not doing laps hanging around the section. So, you know, if who knows, you may have passed a mountain line before and you wouldn't know. And, but because you pass through, it leaves you alone. Whereas I kept coming back and coming back. <laughs> and the thing's probably just like, what are you doing in my territory? Like, I'm going to make myself known. Um, yeah, that was the adrenaline was just pumping, and you know, I was already it was really hot, so I was already sweating loads. But I could just feel like you know, sweat just dripping all over my body, and I'm just like, you know, you got like the shakes, and you're just trying to be calm because you know you need to be sensible, and you know you need to figure your way out of there. And just seeing it come around the side of us, we were just like, oh my god, is this is this it? Is this how we end? Like up on Mount Wire in Salt Lake City of all places? It was. Uh, yeah, certainly life flashing before your eyes kind of moment. Did it make uh, any that noises? Was, that was freaky. When you saw it the second no, time, was it just quiet? No, it just, wasn't- just quiet, like in stealth mode, um, just just watching us and just moving very slowly. Um, so we just we just kept moving slowly away as well. And, you know, after a while we, we lost it again, couldn't see it anymore. And, you know, maybe we'd hit that boundary that it was like, okay, you're out of my territory. I don't know how they, they work with that, but, um, yeah, then miraculously, I think my legs somehow managed to move a lot faster going down that <clears throat> steep descent as well. <laughs> it's amazing how much adrenaline can move your body a lot quicker. And, oh God, I tell you what, it was 
was like a two-mile descent back down to the trailhead where the car was and I was so grateful to get down there and just got in the car and shut the doors. <laughs> I was like, just sit in the car, it's safe in here. Oh, it was the scariest thing I've ever ever gone through. It was so freaky. What I mean, what did <sighs> – I assume you and Dion, like after the door closed, kind of look at each other. What was like the first thing you said? <laughs> Can I say that on here? It was just no. like, holy, <laughs> <laughs> holy F-U-C-K. And, and was, was Dion's eyes like enormous and your eyes are enormous and you're just like, what, what just happened? Yeah, wow. absolutely. And just like shaking and, you know, kind of that. Uh, you know, tears in your eyes, just like, oh, wow. And we couldn't even really talk. We just kept like looking at each other, just like with those big saucer eyes, just like, what what just happened then? Holy shit. Like that, oh, that's just, oh, couldn't even, you just couldn't even think about it. It was just like, how, how did that just happen? You know, it's uh, so freaky. Just never felt so scared. You know, I've seen like a bear out on the trail and, and seen that a few times and, you know, you think, oh, well, there can't be any worse, but oh, there's something just something more eerie about a mountain lion than there is about a bear or a rattlesnake or anything. <laughs> just the whole, oh, those things can kill you. Uh, so they're real. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're I, real. I've heard rumors of these. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know was... you always see people take video and you're just like, how do. I, that was the last thing on my mind was to take a video. You know, you see people put up these videos of, oh, they came across a, a mountain lion on the trail. It's like, how did you even get your phone out? Like, I, I would have dropped mine if I'd even had the the mental energy to, to think about pulling it out. But it was honestly the last thing on my mind was trying to get a, a selfie with this mountain lion. I've, <laughs> I've, like, always, oh I've always thought, I mean, as long as I have LTE or whatever – I do that just so people know like what happened because I, you know, it, it would be like a live feed for yeah. a few minutes and then who knows. But I, I just, yeah. I've always pictured myself pulling out my phone, um, live streaming, like almost out of like an <laughs> SOS, uh, circumstance, <laughs> yeah. but um yeah hit the spot tracker and beam the the live footage out at the same time yeah exactly yeah. i mean so yeah but i mean easy to say from the comfort of uh my home right now and not in that circumstance yeah so. um yeah and i remember seeing one in um i was doing a bit of the appalachian trail last year and seeing a bear and you know same thing like i just I've managed to get away, you know, because the cupboard crossed my path and it was like, okay, just get the hell out of here. And it, five minutes later, I was like, oh, God damn it. Why didn't I get my phone out? Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but yeah, that's um, yeah, so, last thing on your mind at that time when you're what, in like fight or flight mode. Oh, yeah, for sure. And then so you're in the car. You guys both just like dodged death almost. I mean, honestly, Lucia, if you were up there by yourself. Or Ugh, even if yeah, Dion was I up there by himself, I mean, yeah. it got so close to you that it was, it, in my opinion, it was, it had been thinking about it for a while. Um, yeah. And it, the fact yeah, that it's exactly. moving closer is like, and it picked out a spot yeah. that was a little more remote kind of sketches me out thinking about that. But um, what happened to yeah. Tahoe 200 virtual event? Like, did that enter your mind at all or it? Was that so far removed from survival? Yeah. 
it was so far removed um, at that point. And at that point, it was just like, okay, we're going to drive home and we're going to calm down. We're going to have a beer and we're going to chill chill out and just talk about it. And, yeah, we got back home and, I mean, I'd forgotten to stop my watch and everything. So, you know, <laughs> would have been flagged up on um, Strava for, for driving. Um, but it was like, well, I'd already done 40 miles and, you know, done about 10,000 feet of climbing. And once we'd sort of sat down and started talking about it, it's like, okay, well, we can regroup and you can start again, um, you know, because you, you can't count the miles you've done because it had to be continuous. Um, and it was just like, where else can you go? You know, when you, you think about it, it's like, well, I don't feel safe going back up there. There's no way in hell I'm not going up there. We're here for another two or three weeks. I'm not going up that trail again um, ever in my life. <laughs> I'm super scared of it now. But it's like, where do you get the ascent? You know, we'd been driving around previously when we were wrecking and, you know, I'd found the best climb I could find on a road was like a 2,000-foot climb over – you know, a 26-mile return run, and that's not going to make up, you know, 34,000 feet um, over 200 miles. So, you're kind of stumped and, you know, we've got no support here and no, there's no one you can lean on to say, well, you know, what else do we do and where do we go? Um, you know, it's just the two of us and we don't know the area. So, yeah, it was just like, well, what else can you do? It's like you've got to get back up onto that trail or another trailhead, but, you know, at that point, I'd already done 40 miles, super exhausted, super scared. And it's just like, you know what, I, I just don't care anymore. At this point, it was like, I, I've done what I can do. I'm going to now relax and I'm going to look forward to Moab 240. And yeah, I feel like the last yesterday, I felt pretty flat and kind of, you know, a bit depressed about you know, because it was my dream was to do the Triple Crown and that was the goal I'd set out to do and raising money for Pink Ribbon Foundation and I wanted to be the first British woman to do the Triple Crown. So there's all those things going through your head and, but yeah, it's it's just, I think it's just in the too hard basket now. It's like, how how could I make it happen before Moab? It's, it's just impossible. So yeah, it's, I had to put an end to the dreams and say, right, it is what it is. You're just going to do the double crown instead of the triple crown, which is still a phenomenal achievement. And I will any, now take the time to just re races. recover. And, yeah, and yeah. any one of those races is a, a lifetime achievement. So don't don't get too down about it. Plus, plus there's always going to be the footnote on like it's a virtual event. So how do you even compare the stuff to others? And like um, Moab, yeah. Moab itself, I mean um moab itself is just a special event and if anything now you can give yourself a better chance at that and it's funny how perspective your perspective on everything changed when you're yeah face to face with the mountain in danger yeah yeah exactly and yeah nothing is is worth putting your life at risk and and, you know, when you go out to these races, you know there's wild animals and you know you're putting your life at risk. You know, there's there's dangers in the mountains and there's dangers of putting your body through those things that we do. But you have more people around you, you know, in terms of wildlife. You have, you know, there might be two, 300 runners running through that same trail. So if there is a wild animal there, it's probably going to be scared off by the sheer volume of people going through the trail anyway. And, you know, you kind of, you might have paces with you. There's kind of more people out there. So, 
yeah, that kind of gives you a feeling of security, I think, when you're out there, when you're out on your own, you know, when people are doing these FKTs or, you know, self-supported treks through these trails, like that's a whole different ball game, I think. Yeah, totally. I mean, so I'll, I'll finish up here and I, I do appreciate you following up and um, sharing what it's like to, to have this experience during your race. Like, it's just kind of mind-blowing. Um, I it mean, is. What, what what would you recommend for anyone that's um, coming across kind of a life-threatening uh, animal encounter on the trails? Is there like, because you, you survived it. I don't know how many people have come that close to a mountain lion and uh, been able to to share the experience. I just don't know. Um, yeah. But I mean, well, I think what do you have for us? Well, I think what we did was quite smart. You know, we, we went in pairs. I think that's always a good thing is to, to go with someone if you're going out onto trails at night. And yeah, it is trying to remain calm and making as much noise as possible and not not running away, not not trying to scream and, and freak out. Like it's it's trying to be that that powerful, like you're the alpha the alpha animal there. Um, so I guess that's what what we did was, you know, sort of bonded together and, you know, we stood side by side and we made ourselves look bigger and and louder and and I think that's that's the thing that you have to do. Um, you know, that's all the stuff I'd read on, you know, when you're researching how to be safe on the trails and, you know, having a bright head torch and, and just carrying a personal alarm, things like that. And I guess those sorts of things help you if you're out running on the streets as well uh, for the wildlife out there. But yeah, I think definitely out on the trails is, is safety in numbers and yeah, just making sure people know where you are as well. Um, so if something does happen that, yeah, someone can come out looking for you too. Well, I am, I'm bummed about the triple crown, but I'm so thankful that, uh, you guys are, are safe and I'm, you know, really excited to see how Moab 240 goes for you. I'm going to make a best effort to get out there to help, uh, yeah, crew, that'd be maybe awesome. pace. We'll, we'll see what you're in need of yeah. uh, for the time I can get out there. So, uh, Thank yeah, you again for, sure. for all your time and and truly I'm I'm very happy that you made that call and and you're safe. So Moab it's a heck of an experience and I can't wait for you to to crush that one. And for her effort for the Triple Crown. Uh, but at the same time I'm just very thankful that they're okay because that's a circumstance where you know you you hear it on the news. So um, it, it's hopefully it provides a lesson for everyone out there you know be smart it was really great that she had paired up with someone and just really glad they made it out of there so big thank you to all the show sponsors tannery outdoors exoskin and the john wayne cancer foundation the grit series definitely check that out i'll uh, i'll leave discount codes in the show notes so definitely check that out Big thank you to Patreon supporters. I know we're designing a hat basically together on our closed Facebook group. So excited for that and just really appreciate you guys. Don't forget to enjoy your training. Have a great week. That's crazy. 